You're listening to The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam, the series that visits those distinguished as leaders of humanity, not only in history, but in the ranks of the next world. Dive into the stories of the giants who were the first of their kind as they rose to the occasion and became preserved inspirations for generations to come. With your host, Sheikh Dr. Omar Suleiman, let's meet The Firsts. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Awadu billahi astamiya yimin ash-shaytan ar-rajim bismillah ar-rahman ar-rahim alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa al-udwan illa ala al-zalimeen wa al-aqibatu lil-muttaqeen Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barak ala abdika wa rasulika muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. I want to welcome you all back to the first. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Tonight we're going to be talking about a companion who I think that there's probably the greatest discrepancy between how often his name is mentioned and how little his story is known. And that is Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu, al-Khazraji al-Madani, uh, the great scholar of Medina uh, that we're going to be privileged to speak about tonight. And inshallah ta'ala, just to give you all a little bit of an overview about what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. So I know a lot of people are going to be going to Umrah and Thanksgiving. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all an accepted Umrah uh, in November, or whenever you're going in the winter. And I wanted to bring it back to Uhud, bring back the conversation to Uhud. And one of the things that you can appreciate as you look through the stories of the Ansar is that truly every single one of the Ansar has an Uhud story, has someone that was taken from them in Uhud, whether it was a parent or a spouse or a sibling or a child or an uncle, an aunt, a cousin. Everyone has someone who died in Uhud. And as you read about the Ansar, you find that their story intersects with Uhud at some point. So we've been speaking a lot about the Shuhada of Uhud, uh, some of the martyrs of Al-Raji' and Bir Ma'una, which was right after. And inshallah ta'ala tonight also intersects with Uhud. But then next week, uh, we will get to the opposite side of Uhud. Uh, we talked about Sa'id ibn Amr al-Jumahi radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who was part of killing Khubayb radiallahu anhu, but then made tawbah. So starting next week, we will talk about the three commanders from Uhud, being Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Amr ibn As radiallahu anhu, and Ikrama ibn Abi Jahl radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So people keep on saying, when are you talking about Khalid? When are you talking about Khalid? I promise you, I was not in any way pushing Khalid radiallahu ta'ala anhu off. I know how beloved Khalid radiallahu anhu is to the Muslims, but we've been going in order of people embracing Islam. And uh, I thought it would be pertinent to really cover and build out the story of Mecca early on, Medina early on. And inshallah ta'ala, starting next week, we'll get into some of those stories. So again, next week, we'll start with Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Then we'll do Amr ibn al-As radiallahu anhu and Ikrama ibn Abi Jahl radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So tonight, we will be speaking about Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu. How many of you feel like you've heard his name a lot in hadiths? A lot, right? So this man narrates over a thousand ahadith from the Prophet So when we talk about someone who narrates a lot, if you keep on hearing Abu Sa'id in a khutbah, and if you keep on hearing Abu Sa'id in the classes, that is because this man is one of those that are known as As-Sab'a Al-Mukthireen. The seven who used to narrate many ahadith from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, as-sab'a al-mukthirin. So I'm going to do this for the note takers, inshallah ta'ala. We'll go through the seven who used to narrate the most ahadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. 
Between these seven, who we will name inshallah ta'ala, over 60% of the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ are preserved. You realize the consequences of that? Over 60% of that entire body of the Prophet ﷺ's words and traditions come from seven people alone. These seven people, four of them are muhajireen, three of them are ansar. As for the muhajireen, then they are uh, who wants to actually give this a shot? Actually, let's just make it open. Seven. Who do you who do you hear the most narrating a hadith? Yeah, Aisha radiallahu anha. Good. Who narrated even more than Aisha? Abu Huraira radiallahu taala anhu. That's two. Who else? Who is it? Not Umar radiallahu anhu because he died too early. Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu. Great. Who else? That's three. Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu anhu. That's four. Who else? Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu, very good. So that's five. So there are two more. Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, very good. You knew that, right, Baba? All right, who else? Who else? Not Ibn Mas'ud. I'll give you a clue. He is another orphan of Uhud. Starts with a gene. Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So let's repeat these seven inshallah ta'ala. They are Abu Huraira, Aisha, Ibn Abbas, Ibn Umar, Anas, Jabir, and Abu Sa'id al-Khudri. Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Aisha siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala anha wa an abiha, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, um, I forgot where I, I lost. Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and the last one is Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So he is the seventh. We've covered all the rest of them, at least in the capacity of their parents. I plan to, inshallah ta'ala, go over the youth of the companions once again. So those companions like Al-Hassan, Al-Hussein, Abdullah ibn Abbas, Abdullah ibn Umar, who we covered in the capacity of their parents, we're going to go back soon, inshallah ta'ala, in a few months and do full biographies on them, bidnai ta'ala. But these are the seven that are known as Al-Mukthirin, uh, the seven who narrated the most ahadith. As for Abu Sa'id Al-Khudri, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he narrates about 1,170 ahadith from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa 1,170 ahadith from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is a man who is distinguished in that he narrated from the Prophet ﷺ. He also narrated from all of Al-Ashar Mubashireen, the 10 promised paradise. He has narrations from all 10 of them. And he narrates from multiple companions. And you'll often find that these seven narrate from each other. So it's, it's beautiful when you read about these seven youth, if you will, because they were all young when the Prophet ﷺ passed away. Including Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, right? that there was a collection of hadith, a preservation effort amongst the seven of them, primarily, uh, that continued onwards. And there were, of course, other uh, sahaba, like Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As, uh, who narrated uh, quite a bit from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we're going to talk about the least known of them. And I'm pretty sure he is the least known of them, to the point that sometimes you read an entire collection of biographies of the sahaba, and you don't have the biography of Abu Sa'id, Al-Khudri, maybe a paragraph or two here or there, even though he narrated over a thousand ahadith from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So who is he? Uh, an Imam Al-Zahabi Rahimahullah titles his chapter Al-Imam Al-Mujahid Mufti Al-Madina. The Imam 
the warrior, Mufti al-Madina. His title is the Mufti of Medina. Remember Abu Darda anhu was the Mufti of Asham. He is the Mufti of Medina and his name is Sa'id ibn Malik ibn Sinan radiallahu ta'ala anhuma. Sa'id ibn Malik ibn Sinan radiallahu anhuma. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri. His nickname Abu Sa'id al-Khudri. Okay, so his actual name is Sa'id ibn Malik ibn Sinan and his nickname is Abu Sa'id, the father of Sa'id, and he actually has a son named Sa'id, Al-Khudri, which refers to his ancestor, a famous ancestor from Al-Madina. Mufti Al-Madina. When we talk about the young people of the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Hamdul ibn Abi Sufyan narrates from his teachers, لَمْ يَكُنْ أَحَدٌ مِنْ أَحْدَاثِ أَصْحَابِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَفْقَهَ مِنْ أَبِي سَعِيدٍ that there was no one from the youth around the Prophet ﷺ that had greater fiqh, that had greater understanding and jurisprudence than Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He is from the tribe of Khazraj. When you talk about Aus and Khazraj, the two main tribes of the Ansar, he is from al-Khazraj radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Now, his story is beautiful in that he's one of those young people who saw the Prophet ﷺ come into Medina. But there's something about him, and I was thinking about you know, how to title this lecture, and, and I wanted to title it The Lover of Medina as well. This man never leaves Medina. So he's Madani through and through. He's Medina before the Prophet ﷺ gets there in the sense that he was in the city. He lives with the Prophet ﷺ. He doesn't leave Medina uh, for any extended period of time his entire life. Lives decades and then dies later on teaching in the masjid of the Prophet is buried in Al-Madina Al-Munawwara. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a death in Al-Madina as well. Allahumma ameen. So he's Madani through and through, lived with the Prophet and he tells his story as follows. He says, I was 10 years old, 10 years old when the Prophet made hijrah to Al-Madina Al-Munawwara. So he's a 10-year-old boy and his parents were both amongst those who accepted Islam from the Ansar. Both his mother and his father were amongst those who accepted Islam from the Ansar. And they took him radiallahu ta'ala anhu as a 10 year old to take his pledge to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So I want you to imagine a 10 year old boy coming with his parents and his mother was amongst those women who directly took bay'ah with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in that it wasn't her husband who represented her. She herself took her pledge with the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. His mother, uh, a righteous woman named Unaysa bint Amr. Unaysa bint Amr. And Unaysa radiallahu ta'ala anha was married twice. I should have made a chart for you guys. I, I apologize. Unaysa bint Amr was married to a man prior to the father of Sa'ad. His name was Al-Nu'man ibn Zayd. Al-Nu'man ibn Zayd. And the reason why this is an important point to mention, because Unaysa and Al-Nu'man ibn Zayd had three righteous children that all became from the companions of the Prophet and they're the half-siblings of Sa'ad ibn Malik. So they're the half-siblings of Abu Sa'id. One of them is a man by the name of Qatada ibn Al-Nu'man who has a miracle in Uhud that we will one day talk about, inshallah. And I'm sure you will all remember this a few months from now. All right, Qatad ibn Nu'man is the half-brother of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri. And he has 
a pretty gruesome but, but powerful miracle with the Prophet ﷺ in Uhud. Okay? So he fought in the battle of Uhud, his half-brother. And he has Um Sahl bint Nu'man, Um Sahl and Thabit ibn Nu'man, his half-siblings. Uh, then his mother married his father, Malik ibn Sinan, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who lived and became Muslim. So his mother is Unaysa bint Amr. His father is Malik ibn Sinan. May Allah be pleased with them both. His older sister, Sa'ad's older sister, is a woman named Fari'a bint Malik. Fari'a bint Malik. What is she famous for, radiallahu ta'ala anha? This is the woman about whom the ayah of the idda of the widow was revealed. So she is at the center of the idda of a widow. It came down in regards to her, radiallahu ta'ala anha. Her husband passed away on the way back to Medina at some point. So the idda of four months and ten days came in regards to Fari'a bint Malik, the sister of Sa'ad ibn Malik, Abu Sa'id radiallahu anhu. By the way, you all understand Sa'ad ibn Malik and Abu Sa'id are the same person at this point, right? Because I'm going to use them interchangeably. So, what is his story? He says that when the Battle of Badr came along, I obviously was an 11-year-old boy. I had nothing to do with the Battle of Badr. When the Battle of Uhud came along, Sa'ad ibn Malik, Abu Sa'id radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says that my father, Malik ibn Sinan, brought me to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَأَنَا ibnu ثَلَاثَ عَشْرَةَ and I was 13 years old. So I'm 13 years old. One of the common stories that we find before Uhud, that the Prophet ﷺ needed men. And so you had parents that were eager to present their teenage boys to the Prophet ﷺ to be fighters. And the Prophet ﷺ disappointed some of those parents by saying, he's too young, he's too young, he's too young. Not every 14 year old was allowed, not every 16 year old was allowed. There were some 14-year-olds that were bigger than 16-year-olds. You all get the point. So parents were bringing their young people to the Prophet ﷺ, their young teenagers. And this is the love of the Ansar for the Prophet ﷺ. They want to dedicate their children to this cause. I mean, just think about the Prophet ﷺ on the outskirts of Uhud. We know that this humongous army, vicious, vengeful army is coming to take revenge from the Battle of Badr. And we go and we take our youth to the Prophet and we say, Ya Rasulullah, accept him in your cause. Let him fight. Let him be in your cause. So Sa'ad ibn Malik, and I'm just going to say Abu Sa'id from now on. All right? So Abu Sa'id radiallahu anhu says, Uhud My father brought me to the Prophet on the day of Uhud. And the Prophet looked at me. فَجَعَلَ أَبِي يَأْخُذُ بِيَدِي my father took my hand, and it's like he was showing the Prophet ﷺ the arms of Sa'ad. And he said, إِنَّهُ عَبْلُ الْعِظَامِ Sa'ad has big bones, like Abu Sa'id radiallahu anhu, he's, he can do it, Ya Rasulullah. He can fight, he can be with us, Ya Rasulullah. So Abu Sa'id is explaining before the battle of Uhud that I'm in front of the Prophet ﷺ, and my father is trying to show my strength to the Prophet ﷺ. And he says, فَجَعَلَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ يُصَاعِدُ فِي النَّظَرِ فِي النَّظَرِ The Prophet ﷺ was looking at me up and down and the Prophet ﷺ said, رُدَّهُ Turn him back, he's not old enough. قَالَ فَرَدَّنِي So my father took me back home. So his memory of Uhud 
His last memory of his father, Malik ibn Sinan radiallahu anhu, is his father taking him to the Prophet and presenting him as a potential warrior, and he takes him back home. So Abu Sa'id radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, so I and a group of youth that were not allowed to proceed forward in Uhud, we waited away from the battlefield to hear the news of Uhud. And I want you to think about this, their parents are fighting. As for Abu Sa'id, his father, Malik ibn Sinan, his uncle, Murri, Murri ibn Sinan, his paternal uncle, his half-brother, Qatad ibn Nu'man, basically all the elder men, all the, the capable men of his family are in this fight. They've gone alongside the Prophet in Uhud, and he's left behind. So the rest of the story is going to be secondhand from those that actually got to fight in the battle of Uhud. And picture yourself as Abu Sa'id radiallahu anhu from the area of Al-Haram al-Madani with the rest of the children waiting to hear the news of their parents. So he now goes to what happened in the battlefield. He says that my father was one of those people, Malik ibn Sinan radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who did not flee from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I want you to think about the natural love and the way that these people just, you know, inherently were dedicated to the Messenger of Allah when things started happening in Uhud and they had a, a reaction of love to the Prophet He said that Usliba wajhu Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Uhud, the Prophet was struck in every part and he was even struck in his face. And the blood was dripping from the mouth and the face of the Prophet They knocked the Prophet teeth out in Uhud sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Ansar who love the Prophet more than themselves, they're grabbing the Prophet they're trying to protect them. So he said, so my father was around the Prophet and he caught some of the dripping blood and he didn't want to let the blood of the Prophet hit the ground and he didn't want to wipe it. So just instinctively, he put it in his mouth. Malik ibn Sinan radiallahu This is just an act of like, I'm trying to protect the most important person in the world to me right now. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Until he says that my father was struck and he was killed. And the Prophet looked at my father. And the Prophet was deeply hurt by the death of the Ansar. Of course, one of the dynamics of Uhud is that these people took the Prophet in in Medina. And they suffered the most. Almost all of those killed in Uhud were Madani, were Ansar. They took the Prophet and they were killed protecting him and it broke the Prophet heart. So he looked at my father in the battlefield and he said, Man an ila man dami damahu ila Malik ibn Sina. Whoever wants to look at a man who my blood and his blood have mixed, look at Malik ibn Sina anhu. Imagine he's one of those people who inshallah ta'ala the next time you go to Uhud you will think about a man who just in an act of love and fervor around the Prophet ﷺ, caught the blood of the Prophet ﷺ, did not even want the blood of the Prophet ﷺ to touch the ground, much less spill. And the Prophet ﷺ said, this man died a shaheed, and his blood, his last act, subhanAllah, is that his blood mixed with my blood, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So Abu Sa'id now continues the story. Abu Sa'id radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, and so we were waiting outside of Uhud, the kids. And a lot of kids are about to become widow, about to become orphans. And a lot of women are about to become widows, are about to find out about their loved ones. They're, devast they're about to be devastated, right? 
And he says, so the Prophet ﷺ came riding towards us and the Messenger of Allah ﷺ was on a horse. And he said that as the Prophet ﷺ came towards us, Rasulullah looked at me and he said to me, are you Sa'id ibn Malik? Asking me my name, just confirming. So I told him, Bi anta wa ummi ya Rasulullah, may my father and my mother be ransomed for you, O Messenger of Allah. Yes, I'm Sa'ad ibn Malik. So he said that I, 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 I kissed the knee of the Prophet on the horse. Right? Like he wants to dedicate himself to the Messenger of Allah the way that his parents taught him. And the Prophet came down and the Prophet said, Qutila abak, your father was killed and martyred. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala magnify your reward on his account. So the Prophet himself gave Abu Sa'id, a 13-year-old, the tough news that his father was amongst those that were martyred on the day of Uhud. SubhanAllah, Abu Sa'id radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he now describes what comes next. And if you remember the story of Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, some of these people really had heavy burdens, not just the emotional burden, of what had happened in Uhud, but the human capital. Jabir radiallahu anhu, all the sisters he was in charge of and didn't have anything to take care of them. So Abu Sa'id radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that I and my mother, I was the only one there to take care of my mother at this point. And he said that we sunk into poverty. Many of the houses of the Ansar gave everything. And Uhud was absolutely devastating. So he said that my mother sent me to ask for help from the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ was giving everything that he possibly could to the Ansar. The Messenger of Allah ﷺ was the poorest of them. So he said, so I approached and I heard the Prophet ﷺ, I just so happened to approach and the Prophet ﷺ was saying to the Ansar, مَا يَكُونُ عِنْدِي مِنْ خَيْرٍ فَلَنْ أَدَّخِرَهُ عَنْكُمْ That, O oh Ansar, whatever I have, I will not store from you. Whatever I have of good, any money I have, any animals I have, any food I have, O oh Ansar, I'm going to give it to you. I'm not going to hold back anything from you. You, you gave everything for me. And the Prophet ﷺ is saying, I'm not going to hold back anything from you. And he says, وَمَنْ يَسْتَعْفِفُ اللَّهِ And whoever uh, seeks to have ifah, to have their dignity, Allah will dignify them. وَمَنْ يَسْتَغْنِي يُغْنِهِ اللَّهِ And whoever seeks to be financially sufficient, Allah will grant them financial sufficiency. Meaning, if you seek it from, the, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that position, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you that position as well. وَمَنْ يَتَصَبَّرُ اللَّهِ And whoever seeks patience, Allah will make them patient. وَمَا أُعْتِيَ أَحَدٌ عَطَاءً هُوَ خَيْرٌ وَأَوْسَعُ مِنَ الصَّبْرِ And the Prophet said, and no one of you will be given a gift, a blessing that is better and that is more expansive than patience. So Abu Sa'id radiallahu anhu, he's, he's a teenager. And he says that when I heard the Prophet say that, like I'm coming to ask the Prophet for help. But when I heard the Prophet say that, I said, I can't ask him for anything. I don't want to ask him for that. He said, instead, I'll seek it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed our household. So he now goes on to continue. He says that basically, I, I sought from Allah Azawajal, I told my mother what happened and we sought from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he said Allah Azawajal descended his barakah upon us and he went on to say فَمَا أَعْرِفُ أَهْلَ بَيْتٍ مِنَ الْأَنصَارِ أَكْثَرُ مَالٍ مِنَّا 
He said, so I don't know a single house of the Ansar that became wealthier than our household. Alhamdulillah. Right? So Allah provided for us in miraculous ways. Somehow, even though we were devastated, I was an orphan, my mother was a widow after Uhud, Allah opened the doors upon us and somehow He blessed us in our produce. And you'll, you'll find stories of Abu Sa'id in his garden. He blessed us in our produce and we became the wealthiest house of the Ansar. Radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'in. Now we look through some of the narrations because what ends up happening now with Abu Sa'id, because he doesn't talk about himself much. You have to piece his biography, and I'm, and I'm being literal here because this is one of the harder ones to do. You have to piece his biography through all of his narrations and catch glimpses. And so you start to see what the relationship dynamic is like between him and the Prophet ﷺ, this young man who now dedicates himself to the Prophet ﷺ. And I want you to think about how much you've learned from him in the process. Abu Sa'id says that the Prophet said to me, Ya Abu Sa'id, oh Abu Sa'id. So Abu Sa'id is narrating a hadith to him directly, not to a group. Ya Abu Sa'id, man radiya billahi rabba wa bil islami deena wa bi Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam nabiyya wajabat lahu al-jannah. Oh Abu Sa'id, whoever is pleased with Allah as his Lord, with Islam as his religion, and with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as his prophet, paradise has become mandatory for that person. فَعَجِبَ لَهَا Abu Sa'id. So Abu Sa'id was so pleased, like you just said that we can get to Jannah just by رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّهُ وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينَ وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ نَبِيَّةِ You all know this dua, so you have the backstory. So he said, O Messenger of Allah, أَعِدْهَا عَلَيَّ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ Can you repeat that to me? It's like, I want to make sure I heard you correctly, O Messenger of Allah. قَالَ فَفَعَلَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ So the Prophet did so, and he taught him, whoever is pleased with Allah as their Lord, with Islam as their religion, and with Muhammad as their Prophet, Jannah has become mandatory. And then he said, and more, the Prophet said, there is that which elevates the position of a person in Jannah to a grade a hundred higher, and then a hundred higher, equal to the height of the heavens and the earth. And he said, what is that? قَالَ الْجِهَادُ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ He said, striving in the path of Allah. And so Abu Sa'id narrates this hadith from the Messenger of Allah So he goes on and he describes like many of the companions who just missed the cutoff, they were too young for Uhud. He goes on and he fights alongside the Prophet in every single battle afterwards. So he's from those who fought in Khaybar and he is from the people of Ridwan, Bay'atul Ridwan. The people who took the pledge under the tree that Allah says he is pleased with. Okay, so he makes it amongst those uh, people, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Now you can see from his ahadith a few different themes. One of them is the description of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he describes the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with some of the famous shama'il of the Messenger alayhi salatu wa sallam. In one of those narrations, qala kana nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ashadda haya'an min al-adra'i fi khidriha فَإِذَا رَأَى شَيْئًا يَكْرَهُهُ عَرَفْنَاهُ فِي وَجْهِهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So he says that the Prophet ﷺ was more shy than a bride in her room, in her separate room. And he said, when the Prophet ﷺ disliked something, we saw that عَرَفْنَاهُ فِي وَجْهِهِ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَسَلَّمُ We could see it in his face. So he described the hayat of the Prophet ﷺ. Now what does this mean? The Prophet ﷺ was deeply modest, not arrogant. 
not someone who was commanding, not someone who was impulsive alayhi salatu wasalam, not someone who was boastful. He describes the haya of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi He said, I never saw a man more shy than him sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He also is one of the few companions who can narrate about the Prophet both as a guest and as a host. He says that I was one of those who visited the Prophet and I saw the Prophet praying on a, uh, a reed or a, a mat, a simple mat, making sujood on it and he said, and I saw him praying in a single garment with part of it over his shoulder. So he describes the poverty of the Prophet I got to see the inner chamber of the Messenger of Allah in his qiyam, in his personal life. And I saw the deep poverty of the Prophet So he narrates as a guest. And he also narrates the Prophet visiting him when he was sick. He said, the Prophet visited me when I was sick and uh, the sister, Fari'a radiallahu anha, served the Prophet something of, uh, from a lamb, the leg of a lamb, and the Prophet ate a small piece of it, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he is, of course, the most gracious of guests, alayhi salatu wasalam, visiting his companions when they are sick, even the teenagers, subhanAllah. Like the Prophet is finding time to even visit teenagers in his community when they are ill. This young companion of his, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was one of those who got to travel with the Prophet And one of the things that's really beautiful is that him and Jabir co-narrate some of the ahadith of the Prophet and travel. Both of them being from the orphans of Uhud. And so you can see the Prophet loyalty to his companions, taking the orphans of Uhud with him alayhi salatu wasalam. So him and Jabir narrate that we traveled with the Prophet سَافَرْنَا مَعْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَيَصُومُ الصَّائِمْ and so some people fasted and others did not fast. And no one blamed the other or no one uh, saw the other as making a mistake. So they got to travel with the Prophet together. And he described some of the fiqh of travel in the process, some of the jurisprudence of travel uh, in the first place. And you find many ahadith in that regard. Uh, in one narration, he says that a group of us, this is actually a really interesting narration. Abu Sa'id radiallahu anhu says, a group of us set out on a journey with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and then we came across one of the Bedouin tribes, and it was a non-Muslim tribe. And they were a stingy group of people. They weren't hospitable to us. So we asked them for hospitality, to give us something, to shelter us. You know, good manners if you are traveling is like the house of Umm Ma'bad radiallahu anha. Give us something to drink, give us some shelter for the day, offer us something on the road. So we asked them for some hospitality and they basically told us to get lost. Then he says that the leader of the tribe got stung by something, like a scorpion or something in the desert. And so they started to try to cure him and they couldn't do anything. So they basically called us back and they said, do you guys have any medicine, any way to cure the chief? So it's an emergency, he got stung by something, and we need help. So Abu Sa'id radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, well, we can do ruqya, we can read on him, but we need something in return. All right, you guys told us to get lost, you, told, you rebuffed us, and so this is, this is a transaction right now. 
what's your payment for us? So they said, we'll give you these sheep if he's cured. So Abu Sa'id radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says, so we started to blow on him and we recited Surah Al-Fatiha. So I recited the Ruqya, I recited Surah Al-Fatiha on a non-Muslim chief. And then we went to the Prophet ﷺ and we had the sheep, because it worked. So you can see the fiqh here, by the way, one of the rulings that is extracted from this hadith is that it's okay to wish well for someone who's not Muslim, to perform Ruqya even on someone who's not Muslim, and to hope for their cure, right? So to even participate in the cure and things of that sort. So he says, so he went to the Prophet ﷺ, and we had some of that sheep, and we told the Prophet ﷺ what happened. So the Prophet ﷺ says, وَمَا كَانَ يُدْرِيهِ أَنَّهَا رُقِيَةً How did you know that that was a ruqya? How did you know that Surah Al-Fatiha would work? And the Prophet ﷺ was happy and he said, you did the right thing. So the Prophet ﷺ basically said, let's eat. أَقْسِمُوا وَضْرِبُوا Let's go ahead and eat what's been given to us. So let's apportion now uh, the share. So the Prophet ﷺ was proud of his companions. And Abu Sa'id radiallahu anhu is describing this journey that he took with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in that regard. Uh, he's also radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he, he has a, a, a story behind the revelation of Surah Al-Ma'idah. He said that I had some wine that belonged to an orphan when Surah Al-Ma'idah was revealed. And when it came down, I told the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but Ya Rasulullah, this wine is for an orphan. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi said to pour it out. So don't make a distinction in the prohibition of alcohol between the orphan and the one who is not an orphan, to basically pour it out. He describes an incident of the Prophet ﷺ seeing a group of poor people, fuqara, um, that were extremely poor, min du'afa al-muslimin. And he says that the Prophet ﷺ, like I don't think the Prophet ﷺ actually knew any single one of them. It was like a, an outside tribe. And he said that they were barely covering their awrah, barely their private parts were covered. That's how poor they were. And the Prophet ﷺ, of course, wants to take care of these people, but he's, he's asking them about themselves, and he's, he's getting to know them, alayhi salatu wasalam. And, you know, he notices that they have like a halaqa amongst themselves. So he says, what are you doing? And, bima kuntum turaji'un, what are you sort of reviewing with yourselves? They said, هَذَا رَجْرٌ يَقْرَأُ لَنَا الْقُرْآنَ وَيَدْعُ لَنَا That this person's reading Qur'an to us and he's making dua for us. So the Prophet ﷺ says, فَعُودُ لِمَا كُنْتُمْ فِيهِ So go back to what you were doing. And the Prophet ﷺ said, أَلْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي جَعَلَ فِي أُمَّتِي مَنْ أُمِرْتُ أَنْ أَصْبِرَ نَفْسِي مَعَهُمْ ثُمَّ قَالَ لِيُبَشَّرَ فُقَرَاءَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ the Prophet said, Alhamdulillah, all praises be to Allah, who placed in my ummah these poor, simple, righteous people that I have been commanded to be patient amongst. Prophet used to be amongst the du'afa, he used to be amongst the poor, he used to be amongst those who were struggling. And he said, let the oppressed and the weak ones amongst the believers have the good news of success on the Day of Judgment, in which they will be placed ahead of the wealthy by 500 years. They will be in paradise, enjoying its luxuries, while the other people will still be held accountable. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So Abu Sa'id narrates some of these ahadith of travel. 
He also narrates many of the ahadith of the salah of the Prophet and he taught salah to many of the tabi'een. He says, This is how I saw the Prophet praying. He described some of the uh, moments in which he says, we were praying with the Prophet and the rain started to come. And he said that the roof leaked. And at that time, the roof of the masjid was just some date palms. And he said, and I saw the Prophet I'll never forget looking at the Prophet and seeing his head. And he said, the water and the mud was on the forehead and on the nose of the Messenger of Allah Almost admiring the Prophet That the Prophet was, again, such a humble man. And, and someone who, who cared deeply about worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all things. He narrates a hadith about the Prophet's wudu. He was with the Prophet in Hajj. He narrates about the Prophet's food. He narrates about his clothes. He narrates some of his du'as. He narrates some of his travel habits. The ahadith about Bani Israel. You know the man who killed 99 people that we talked about a few weeks ago? That is a narration of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And then he narrates about the virtues of deeds and of places. And so he is the one who narrates the, the hadith from the Prophet that no one fasts for the sake of Allah for one day except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places between him and hellfire a distance of 70 years. He also narrates the hadith الصالحات, that the lasting good deeds are La ilaha illallah, subhanallah, Allahu akbar, alhamdulillah, and la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Two more ahadith and we'll get back to a story inshaAllah. He narrates the ahadith about the virtues of places. So the virtues of deeds, and then the virtues of places. So the very famous hadith is the one from Abu Sa'id, لا تشد الرحال إلا إلى ثلاثة مساجد That a journey should not be taken except to three masajid. Al-Masjid al-Haram, Al-Masjid al-Aqsa, wa Masjidi hadha and my masjid being in Medina. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to pray in all three. Allahumma ameen. The hadith of the rawla is also narrated from him. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu, where he narrates that the Prophet said, Ma bayna bayti wa minbari rawdatu min riyadh al jannah wa minbari ala hawdi. That what is between my home and my minbar is one of the gardens of jannah, and my minbar is upon my hawd. I just want you to think how much you learned from him without even knowing. (laughs) So every time you pray in the rawdah, every time you're you're going out and you're performing these deeds and you're repeating these afkar and you're repeating these du'as, this man ta'ala anhu, is a vehicle by which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala conveyed the message of the Prophet وسلم, uh, through his blessed heart and his blessed mouth radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So his whole story is narrating a hadith of the Prophet وسلم. When the Prophet وسلم, passed away, uh, Abu Sa'id radiallahu ta'ala anhu basically now assumes a position of a teacher in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, Mufti al-Madina. He's Madani throughout. He was 10 when the Prophet ﷺ came. He's now 23 when the Prophet ﷺ passes away. And it becomes quickly known that he is a man from whom you seek a hadith. So Ibn Abbas used to sit at his feet and gather many of the narrations. And a man comes to him and he says to him, هَنِيًّا لَكَ يَا أَبَا سَعِيدٍ بِرُؤْيَةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَصُحْبَتِهِ 
you know, may Allah bless you, o Abu Sa'id. How lucky are you, how blessed are you to have seen the Prophet ﷺ and have accompanied him? And Abu Sa'id would cry and he would say, Ya Akhi, oh my brother, You don't know what we did after him, meaning we haven't lived up. He felt that guilt عنه, of not living up to the standard of the Prophet ﷺ after his passing. He also used to greet the students of knowledge when they would come from around the world with a very particular uh, greeting. So if you remember Abu Darda in Asham, when the students of Hadith used to come to him, uh, he used to spread out his rida, he used to spread out his cloak, and he used to say, Marhaban bi ahibbati Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa Welcome to the lovers of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And he would tell them what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi said. So if you walked into a masjid in the Sham and you saw the Mufti of Asham, Abu Darda, he says to you, welcome to the lovers of the Prophet ﷺ. Abu Sa'id says that the Prophet ﷺ said to us, إِنَّ النَّاسَ لَكُمْ تَبَعٌ وَإِنَّهُمْ سَيَأْتُونَكُمْ مِنْ أَقْطَارِ الْأَرْضِ وَيَتَفَقَّهُونَ فِي الدِّينِ فَإِذَا جَاءُوكُمْ فَاسْتَوْصُوا بِهِمْ خَيْرًا The Prophet ﷺ said to us, that there are people that will follow you and they will come from all over the world seeking to understand their religion. So when they come to you, take care of them, treat them well. And in one narration, specifically the Prophet ﷺ says, قُولُوا لَهُمْ Say to them, مَرْحَبًا مَرْحَبًا بِوَصِيَّةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. Welcome, welcome to the inheritors of the Prophet ﷺ, to those who the Prophet ﷺ has instructed us to take care of. And so if you met Abu Sa'id in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, he would say, Marhaban bi wasiyati Rasulillahi ﷺ. Welcome to those who the Prophet ﷺ told us to take care of. He used to love to quote the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, and he said, Tahaddathu fa inna al-haditha, yuhayyiju al-hadith. He said, spread the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ because that will keep the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ alive and spreading throughout the world. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What was he like in the masjid? He used to stay in the masjid from Al-Fajr to Al-Duha and he used to be known for his long prayers in Salat Al-Duha in the masjid of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then after he would pray multiple rak'at for a lengthy time at the time of sunrise, he used to teach people Qur'an and he would teach five verses at a time So it's really beautiful because you start to see that the companions had methodology and how they would teach the Qur'an. So he would teach you five verses, he would give you its context, he would give you its meaning, and then he would come back later on and sometime before Salat al-Maghrib, Abu Sa'id would sit in the masjid again and he would teach people another five ayat of the uh, Qur'an. And People used to approach him in his garden. So remember he said that we had the, we ended up with the most blessed house of the Ansar. So he used to be in his garden and he was tending to all of these crops. And students would come to him and they would ask him for hadith and he would stop whatever he was doing during the day. And he had a special shawl that he would put on anhu, and he would begin to narrate the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ to people that came from around the world. So people start to come from around the world to see this man anhu and to hear the ahadith uh, from him. He lived عنه, through um, some of the more difficult times of the ummah. He lived through the fitan. 
And he was one of those who sided with Ali ibn Abi Talib And he narrates, and this is actually really powerful because you can see him live the ahadith that he narrates in real time. He says that I heard the Prophet say, أَلَا لَا يَمْنَعَنَّ رَجُلًا حَيْبَةُ النَّاسِ أَنْ يَقُولَ بِحَقٍ إِذَا عَلِمَهُ he said that fear of people, the Prophet said, no one should let the fear of people stop them from speaking the truth when they know the truth. And he would cry, radiallahu anhu, Baka Abu Sa'id. And he said, Qad wallahi ra'ayna ashya' fahidna. He said that there are some things I wish I would have spoke a little bit more forcefully on. And so he used to advise people. He used to advise the rulers of the ummah. He used to advise the people that were oppressing and he would try to stop them radiallahu anhu and he was never hindered by his fear. And in fact, subhanAllah, one of the things that we see in the, in the, uh, the footnote of the hadith is that Abu Sa'id stayed in Medina his whole life, right? And he left one time to Asham, one time to Baghdad very shortly. But when he narrated this hadith, he said that I went to Muawiyah, rakibtu ila Muawiyah radiallahu anhu, famala'tu udhunayhi thumma raja'at. And I filled his ears, meaning I gave him a lot of advice. And then I came back to Medina. So he was someone who was very forceful in what he preached, but at the same time, he didn't want the ummah to split. And so it's very interesting, subhanAllah, the position that he takes in fitna, where he speaks the truth, but he still prays with everyone and he still tries to hold the community uh, together. And because he lived such a long time and he saw some of the things that would happen later on in the ummah as he was teaching the ahadith, uh, he lived to the time of Marwan ibn al-Hakam and he basically confronted Marwan on two things. Number one, Marwan ibn al-Hakam uh, put, put, put the, uh, the pulpit out on Eid and he started to do the khutbah before the salah. And the sunnah of the Prophet is to do the khutbah after the salah. So he didn't like that, and that was obviously a means by which you got the khutbah across whether people wanted to hear it or not. Because the khutbah is optional, the salah is what you pray. And then you can stay for the khutbah if you want. And there was a man who stood up and who confronted him on that. And Abu Sa'id radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, Man hadha? Who is that person? They said, this person is fulan ibn fulan, so and so. And he says, Amma hadha faqad qada ma alayhi. That person did what he was commanded. فَإِنِّي سَمِعْتُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول, مَنْ رَأَى مُنْكَرْ Whoever sees something evil, فَاسْتَطَاعَ أَنْ يُغَيِّرَهُ بِيَدِي فَلْيُغَيِّرَهُ بِيَدِي And he is able to change it with his hand, let him change it with his hand. If he can't do so, then with his tongue. And if he can't do so, then let him hate it in his heart. And that is the weakest of faith. Now I want to segue to his story and sort of the end of his life and something very interesting that happens to him towards the end of his life. So basically, he's in Medina teaching people the hadith of the Prophet and some of you may remember last week, we, and, and it's not the first time we've talked about this, uh, we spoke about Waqatul Harra. Al Harra was when Medina was basically put under uh, a very vicious occupation, a very vicious um, murder. And that was in the year 63. Last, year I said, last week I said 36, I meant to say 63 after Hijrah where basically multiple Sahaba of the Prophet were killed in Al-Harra. One of them was Rabi'a ibn Ka'b al-Aslami radiallahu anhu we spoke about last week. So Abu Sa'id actually lived to see that incident where Medina comes under attack in the year 63. And unfortunately, 
those that are attacking it are also people who are saying La ilaha illallah. And that is the most difficult part of it. So Abu Sa'id radiallahu ta'ala anhu, because he knows Medina so much better than everyone else, he basically found a cave. He gets chased into a cave and he hides in this ghar and a man comes to him min ahl sham because this army came from ahl sham and as he is about to enter into the cave, Abu Sa'id radiallahu ta'ala anhu is holding his sword inside the cave to protect himself. But just subhanAllah, look at how this plays out. So Abu Sa'id says, do not come in. And the man says that either you come out or I will come in. So Abu Sa'id said, La akhruj, I'm not going to come out. Wa in aqtulk. And if you come in, I'll kill you. So the man came in to the cave anyway, because again, this is an army that's attacking Medina. And he sees Abu Sa'id al Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And Abu Sa'id is holding his sword and he recites the verse from Al Ma'idah about Cain and Abel. إِنِّي أُرِيدُ أَن تَبُوءَ بِإِثْمِي وَإِثْمِكَ فَتَكُونَ مِنْ أَصْحَابِ النَّارِ That I want to let you bear your own sin as well as the sin that you are committing against me and you will be from the people of the fire. Basically, the brother who is being killed by his brother. And as the man enters and he looks at him, SubhanAllah, talk about an introduction. Like you're someone who embraced Islam from far away and you've been led to kill other Muslims. He said to him, Anta Abu Sa'id al-Khudri. Are you Abu Sa'id al-Khudri? He said, yes. Qala sahibu Rasulullah sallallahu the companion of the Prophet sallallahu He said, yes. He said, li. Can you ask Allah to forgive me? Abu Sa'id says, Ghafar Allahu lak. May Allah forgive you. And the man left him. Right, subhanAllah. Just the interesting way that this is all playing out in his life. And um, unfortunately, uh, he was attacked in his home. Uh, he was tied up and everything was stolen from his home in this uh, harra, uh, in this attack. Even the, the filling of his pillows was taken. The wool that used to fill the pillows uh, was taken from him. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And this was a fitna that unfortunately left many uh, righteous people uh, dead in that moment. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with them all. Now he passes away radiallahu ta'ala anhu about a year after that. And he's in his 70s at this point. And I want to talk about his death because his death is very special. It's very special for a few reasons. Number one, Abu Sa'id narrates many of the ahadith of the Prophet about how to act when you die and how to care for the dead. So he is the one who narrates the hadith from the Prophet ﷺ, teach your dying ones to say La ilaha illallah. When someone is dying, keep telling them to say La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah. When you stand next to someone who is passing away, La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah. So Abu Sa'id is teaching his kids, his two sons, these ahadith so that they can practice them with him as well. He would die a natural death, radiallahu anhu. So his kids are around him and they're saying, La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah, because of what they learned from him, from what he learned from the Prophet. Another hadith he narrates is that the Prophet said, Ida wuli'at al-janaza, that when the janaza is ready for burial, 
and the people carry the janazah on their shoulders. فَإِنْ كَانَتْ قَالَتْ قَدِّمُونِي قَدِّمُونِي If it's a righteous soul, the janazah, the person, will say, hurry up and take me, hurry up and take me. وَإِنْ كَانَتْ غَيْرَ صَالِحَا قَالَتْ يَا وَيْلَهَا يَا وَيْلَهَا أَيْنَ تَذْهَبُونَ بِهَا Woe to it, woe to it, where are you taking it? So the story of the soul in the body as a person is being carried to their janazah, may Allah make us from the righteous ones who will say, قَدِّمُونِي Hurry up and take me to my grave, hurry up and take me to my grave so I can be taken to my place of al-jannah. And may Allah protect us from being the opposite of that and he said, subhanAllah, that يَسْمَعُوا صَوْتَهَا كُلُّ شَيْءٍ إِلَّا الْإِنسَانِ That everything hears the soul saying that except for uh, the human being. So every other creation of Allah can hear the person as they're being carried to their grave, either saying, قَدِّمُونِي Hurry up or slow down. يَا وَيْلَهَا أَيْنَ تَذْهَبُونَ بِهَا Now here's where it gets, subhanAllah, very beautiful. When Abu Sa'id was dying, uh, he took his son to the Baqir. He said, hold my hand. So I want you to imagine the Baqir of the Prophet ﷺ, the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, where all the Sahaba are buried. He said, hold my hand. And he walked to a very particular location in the Baqir. And he said, when I die, I want you to bury me right here. And you can actually see the image uh, of the place in the Baqir where he is buried radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And basically it was the furthest point of the Baqir at that point. It's almost adjacent. Um, if you go to the grave of Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu, walk about a hundred feet, take a left, all the way to the fence. They're the only two graves that have that, that brick around it in this way. Those two graves that you see the one that is closest uh, here is Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The one next to it is the grave of the one for whom the throne of Allah shook. Sa'id ibn Mu'adh radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So these are the graves of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Sa'id ibn Mu'adh radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And Abu Sa'id said, when I die, oh my son, I want to be buried right here. And he also uh, said, he picked the specific clothes, the kafan, uh, to be buried in radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he prayed radiallahu ta'ala anhu up until the last moment using the gestures of his body. So he got very ill radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He was in his 80s when he passed away. Some say 85 or 86 years old, praying with gestures, doing dhikr, until the very last moment with his body radiallahu ta'ala anhu, until he passed away in Al-Madinah Al-Munawwara. And it was Yawm Al-Jumu'ah, the day of Friday in Muharram, uh, that he passes away radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And subhanAllah, when the Mufti of Medina passes away, uh, there were many, many, many people that came for his janazah. Any of the Sahaba that were still alive, the people came from far, the Tabi'een, his students, and they prayed upon him radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he left behind uh, not just plenty of students radiallahu anhu and a whole body of ahadith that we still narrate from today. May Allah reward him on our behalf. But his two sons, 
Sa'id, Abu Sa'id, and Abdurrahman. May Allah be pleased with them, who narrate much of their father's work. And they also lived long lives. So the two sons of Abu Sa'id, Sa'id and Abdurrahman, lived long lives, and they also had many students. And so that really extends the life of the ahadith that he narrated from the Prophet ﷺ. And he passes away in that spot, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him his pleasure. And may Allah azawajal grant us the ability to, to die in Medina and to be buried in that baqir and to be raised with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allahumma ameen. I'll end with one hadith inshaAllah ta'ala. Uh, since we're talking about as-salah ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Abu Sa'id radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that we said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah, hadha salamu alayk. We send salam to you. We know how to say salam to you, O Messenger of Allah. Qala fakayfa nusalli. How do we pray upon you, O Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? So the Prophet sallallahu said to Abu Sa'id and his companions, and we will repeat it inshaAllah ta'ala. He said, say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Can you all repeat? Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Abdika wa rasulik. Kama sallayta ala Ibrahim. Wa barik ala Muhammad. Wa ala ali Muhammad. Kama barakta ala Ibrahim. Ibrahim. So he said, Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin abdika wa rasulik, kama sallayta ala Ibrahim, wa barik ala Muhammadin wa ala ali Muhammad, kama barakta ala Ibrahim, wa ali Ibrahim. Allahumma ameen. We ask Allah to send his peace and blessings upon his messenger, Sallallahu his family, his companions. May Allah be pleased with them all. May Allah join us with them. Uh, inshallah ta'ala, next week we will now start with Khalid ibn al-Walid, radiallahu anhu and those on the other side of Uhud. And inshallah ta'ala, uh, I pray that it will be beneficial to you all. Jazakumullah khaira, subhanakallah, alhamdulillah, ashadu wa la ilan, tastakhiru wa atubu alaykum, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research, dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in every week for the next episode, and don't forget to subscribe to this channel and share with friends. Until next time, this has been The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam.